Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you are brand new to the show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. And this week we brought on my good buddy Johnny Slivers from the 10 Street Hooligans podcast and is also a Cardsphere writer that mainly talks about EDH on Cardsphere.com. Uh, be sure to check out that site as well. Um, before we begin, let's get some announcements out of the way. Uh, as of this podcast coming out, I will be live at GP Atlanta Friday and Saturday. Saturday. I'm probably not going to show up Sunday because I got to drive back, but um, I am planning on playing plenty of magic at GP Atlanta. So look out for me there. I will be tweeting and probably Instagramming about it. So look out for those. Um, and then Magic Wazubi can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You can reach me at facebook.com slash Magic on Twitter at Magic on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. You can email me with any questions you have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. Um, and am I forgetting anything else? Oh, if you want to help support the show, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. A lot of cool prizes there. And then be sure to check out my sponsor, Legit MTG. If you need any singles and for anything you spend over $2 or more, you get free shipping on those singles and sealed product for all magic related content. I thought I saw some other new stuff up there too recently. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the website and talk about i thought i saw they're having pokemon now up there too in the store which that's pretty interesting um if you're into pokemon um yeah they have pokemon sealed product there now too and some card fight vanguard i'm not sure what that is but hey if you're into it awesome they've got it um yeah it looks like they've expanded more into pokemon which is awesome for them because i really like the pokemon card game so i think that does that about does it and let's get on with the interview here right that's what you're here for So, um, yeah, man, what's up? You watching the game at all? What game? The Which game? The World Series. That's happening now? Yeah, it just happened. Um, even though right now we're, we're <laughs> yeah, it's game one. As of this recording, this is game one because by the time this comes out, it'll probably the World Series will be over because this isn't going to come out till November 2nd. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, just in time for the actual tournament, so we can talk about what I might be doing, and then talk about how I will probably do something different. <laughs> oh wait, when when's your tournament again? That Carnage Con, it's, you said? Carnage Con, Carnage Con is from November second through the fourth, and it's a big tabletop convention. It's in Killington Resort, and okay. basically, um, the nerds take over the ski resort. The base lodge is got like hundreds of tables of people just playing tabletop and then they've got vendors in the hotel and they've got other like all the conference rooms are used up for something and they've got magic they've last year they had one commander tournament and they had a decent turnout so they're like okay let's see what else we can do so it's commander pauper and a draft and it kind of ebbs and flows with the demand from year to year but there's been an uptick in interest in magic so they are going to they pull it together to offer up some more events so on friday night at seven o'clock there's a commander tournament and that was my plan to hit that and then try and get to the other two tournaments on saturday and actually go to a gaming convention and actually like be there and yeah this is like I've never really, I've never been to a gaming convention properly before. I got to the really last year. Yeah, you've never I been got, to I've like never, 
a Comic-Con or anything like that? No, or? I've never no? been to a Comic-Con. I've never been to a GP. The closest, like, I was trying to get, they were, oh, God, I think before Channel Fireball took over, there was supposed to be some team sealed event down in Albany, New York, which mm-hmm. is about a two-hour ride for me. And I was going to try and get to that and figure that out. And then, like, everything shifted gears and that event just got dropped. So it moved. they moved it to Orlando. And I was like, nope, <laughs> can't go to Florida. So that was the end of that. And if I had, if I ever got to an event, it would have to be in the Northeast. So yeah. either Montreal or Boston or Providence or wherever, wherever it would be in New England. True. I may, it's not definite, but I'm really trying to. I'm trying to get up to Maine next year, like maybe during March or April. Um, to go visit some family. I've got a bunch of family up in Maine. Really? In the um, Bangor, Presque Isle area. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Like, how... I was in Maine one time. We went. We drove out to Millinocket. Is that anywhere, is that anywhere near Bangor? Where is that? No, I don't know off the top oh. of my head. Um, it's, in the, it's in the middle of nowhere. We were like, we were halfway there. I was like, yay, we're at Maine. We're practically there. Little did I know it was another four hours. That state is huge. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's so gorgeous though. It's, um, I've got a bunch of family up there. I've got, oh, yeah. um, I've got, um, like my mom's side of the family, they've got roots up in Aroostook County, which is on the edge of Maine and Canada. Oh up there <laughs> yeah oh and um there's a potato festival that happens every summer that we used to go up to and it's um you know you get to go and pick potatoes and stuff a and a potato <laughs> festival oh, hey, that's it was excellent. the talk of the town this is a town of a thousand people all right big big doings it's big doings there but um now i'm gonna try to at least it's um because I'm really, really trying to also save up money for GP Seattle. Because it'd be nice if we did have some sort of half live Ten Street hooligan type. That deal. Would be, we could, you know, half of us could phone it in. We're all practically phoning it in every day anyway. So yes. why not? <laughs> yes. In case you guys don't know, um, Johnny here. Uh, I actually do another little magic podcast called Ten Street Hooligans. It's sort of a live action podcast more than anything i mean you can't you can only really watch it on john dunning's they said we said channel and we do it what we're we're doing it what now every other tuesday now every other tuesday and and it's slowly devolving into a circus of madness it's it it is it's funny though we did a singing we strip teased a bit and now oh i stripped a lot (laughs) yeah you didn't tease anything you were it was (laughs) <laughs> it was all fun oh it was fun though it was um it, it it's been a fun show like john um i've had john on the podcast you're actually the last 10 street hooligan day to get on the show because i've had john coach and then now you save the best for last right well, I mean, I am I am the smallest dude riding all the coattails so yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I look at my number and, sometimes and cringe a little bit and wonder yeah. my, as like big imposter syndrome right there. Like, am I really doing this? And is this like, am I, I'm, I'm just, every, it's like every article I'd write for cards for, I think to myself, this, could this be the last one? Do, <laughs> like, do you actually see like how many views each one gets? I don't know. I oh, don't okay. have, I, I don't know. I should ask Ted and see about like what that number is. But, um, right now I'm just playing around with ideas. Uh, the next article is going to be, is kind of, it's going to dovetail a little bit off of that, that star city article that you share yeah. on Twitter from the rules committee guy. 
Oh, the from Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about cards that you shouldn't play, that kind of thing, and and looking at, you know, there's a big, com- there's always a conversation about why why people shouldn't play Soul Ring or why people shouldn't be playing Paradox Engines. Like these cards, they're not fun to play. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, in a casual environment. You want to just kind of gauge it. You get you read the room. You know, mm-hmm. you bring your ultra competitive deck. You bring yep. your precon, and you bring your something in the middle, and you kind of gauge you gauge it as the player base affords it. But you know, if you're only playing, I'm going to win turn one all the time. You're not going to play a lot of EDH in, in a local no. game store. But and you won't uh, make many friends either. But so for the next article, like one of the things I've been toying around with is wanting to do what I would what I would call super stock series, where where you take you build around certain parameters, either from a certain block, or for the, in this case, what I'm going to do is just work on cards that were only printed in the Commander Precon. So look at that card pool, see what I can do, build around that. And as I'm kind of, I pick my Commander, I'm starting to build build around it, and then it's, I'm looking at this like, oh, there's another Commander that might, probably fares better in this format. It's like looking at some way to make your your own play groups like power level put it mm-hmm. on the same level like give everybody the same parameters so going with stuff that's like precons either either the actual precons from commander or just picking anything you could add in the dual decks like you could just expand your pool that way without making things too broken and that's kind of what this next article i'm going for i'm trying to do something with that so i just i haven't fleshed it out entirely i've got till the end of the week but that's the goal to see if I no, can put something out that's interesting, though. fun for people to read and watch and, I don't know, maybe do a read-along and if I do my cackling Carnarium erratic kind <laughs> of hosting, that's that's a spinoff. That's a spinoff of a, what I was doing on KitchenTableMagic.com. Yep. Trying to do that for a little bit and putting it into video mode now that I know how to use Hangouts and actually put video out again. Uh, so I'm going to try and do more of that. It's just a question of timing and all that, whenever I'm going to get that done. Yeah, so... Talk to me a little bit about your journey into magic content creation because you've been doing it. You started a little bit ago and then you had to, then you stopped, right? I I started dabbling in video, um, twenty thirteen maybe. Okay. I was actually doing. I had a little Canon point and shoot. I was trying to just. I I don't know. I was trying to. The, my dream, this is another thing, it was a time crunch thing. I never could finish this series I was trying to do. It was uh, taking a return to Ravnica block, commons and uncommons, and just building decks that I wouldn't put sleeves on. Like playing the game with just playing cards yeah. without sleeves and doing it, playing it old school style and building like a, like a kind of like a, a library of cards from return to Ravnica block. So I started kind of going through deck techs with that, and then I never ended up finishing that. Um, and then I was trying to do another pack pick, like pick going going on to like Cube Tutor and doing a doing a first pick or drafting through yeah. like that, doing that kind of recording. But um, that that all that as we you know as our family grew and we had new commitments with uh, children and all that stuff that changed. Like I I would go dark for a little while. I don't I can't even remember my timelines anymore. Um, and then when was it? I think. It must be two years ago. I started trying really hard to be more consistent and just be like do talking head. The idea was yeah. to make make videos where ten minutes of actual video time, and the process of trying to take no more than sixty minutes to actually produce some kind of content and just talk to the screen. And 
I did that a couple of times. I actually got into that time frame, but it, again, it was just, you know, it always came down. A lot of it came down to editing. And yeah. then when I finally upgraded out of my Mac and got into my laptop here, it's like I didn't have the video editing software and then the time to figure it out. Like iMovie is really easy to figure out yeah. in a short period of time. Like you can record, you can record right off of the computer. Uh, if it's you have very the right good kind for of, basic stuff too. Yeah. yeah, it is. If you can, you know, if you're fine with working with just the MacBook and you want to record off of the video with the webcam on built into the computer, that can be fine. Um, upgrading to the Yeti was probably the best thing I did. The audio was upgraded dramatically, so that made a huge difference and it definitely helped out. Uh, and then I've just been getting into something like Tin Street is something I've been wanting to do because I was watching for the longest time. I was watching Magic Mics and and. Like I enjoyed that. That was the content I liked. I liked seeing mm -hmm. a conversation happen. So to be able to be in a conversation with other content creators in a video format, that was kind of like my secret little bucket list thing I wanted to do. And we got there. And now it's, we're just kind of see what John decides to throw at us next for something embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's a lot of fun what we do. It's um, and it's something that I look forward to. It's um. You know, it, it's more of a because, you know, I do this podcast weekly and, you know, I try my best to try to come up with content and all that. And, yeah, it's funny when John like says, hey, you know, what are we going to talk about? And I'm just like, I don't fucking know because <laughs> I'm trying to work on my own podcast half the time. And then when I come on Tinstreet, I'm just like, oh, this is fucking relaxing as shit. I don't really have to plan or do much of anything. <laughs> just show just up. Show up. <laughs> show up and get naked. I mean, what else do I have to do? <laughs> This is very relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Eric, who didn't get the memo. Oh, my God. Five articles of clothing. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, Poor guy. Good, good thing Coach went and set that up where we only had five questions each because he would have been screwed. Oh, my gosh. I know. Uh, um, no, but it was it was a lot of fun doing that. But, um, yeah, so, I mean... You're you're also now doing the hangouts you said where you're trying to bring that back and now you're also writing for cardsphere.com which I got to say they're getting you know they're becoming up and comers and all that and they're getting some big names in content creation and you yeah know. so I that's a little pressure for me to kind of step up my game and put out stuff that's actually being read <laughs> um you know it that and that's a that's one of those and that's another thing like that's an example of a who's you who you know kind of thing i know kind of go meander here here i am drinking some fat tire and then um and i'm just gonna ramble and babble but i didn't because i was hanging out with 10 street and john's been hanging out talking with ted that opportunity came up and was like, well, Johnny, you're kind of the writer here. Why don't you give mm -hmm. a, take a crack at it? So they liked the, they liked the writing style. Like I was working with Efren. He's like, I, this is, you know, this has been, is really awesome to this writing. We, this is good writing. We like this. So, you know, we talked after Ted got back from vacation, we talked a little bit. I was like, Hey, I'd be interested in doing something if you're game. And, um, it's, I think it, it was because of like, Hang, spending time online with the people that I was spending time with that was it was connecting dots like that's a who you know situation and I think yeah. that happens a lot in content creation I know I know a lot of people it really does, like it does yeah they bust their butts and they, and they spend a lot of time putting in the effort for this the, the videos that they're doing and, and I know people can feel like they're stalling out and it's just kind of you kind of 
sometimes you, it's almost like playing the odds. It's like you make your connections, you make your friendships, and if hopefully, you know, it's the off chance that something's going to stick with somebody and you're in the loop and they bring you in with it. And or the other way around, like you hit it big and you got people that you want to work with and you bring them in. And it's kind of like the biggest yeah. content creators we see today, that's how that happened. And it happened for them at a time when there wasn't a lot of content creation in the first place. So, you know, the Tolarian Community Colleges and and Command Zone and Wedge and whoever else, the biggest names, when they did that, they they got there at the right time. It was that sweet mm -hmm. spot where no one had figured out the formula yet and they were the pioneers. So because they were in the door first, they got all the numbers first. And everybody that came in behind them doing the same thing has to work way harder to get to where they are. You got to stand out and be – you have to like really stand out in some way. So yeah. It's a challenge. <laughs> oh, but, it definitely is. It's um, you know, and, when you're when yeah. Well, no, 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 go go on. And and I think for the I think what's the what's keeping me going on this is making it less about I I changed my mission statement. Like when you go into the content creation, you got to have a mission and what you want to do and and where you're trying to go. My mission is to be connected with as many people as I can, but have a, like an actual conversational connection. I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't do follow for follows on Twitter. Um, not because I have anything against the people who do follow me. It's just a matter of like, it's, it's great that they're, I'm, you know, it's great that I can do something that they enjoy watching or hearing from me. But, um, I want to have like a conversation with them. I want to be able to, I want to know that we've got some kind of back and forth going on. So when the conversations start and we're talking back and forth, yeah, then, then I'll go into doing at, you know, following and that kind of stuff. And then, um, I'm just babbling on now. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. And you make a lot of good points. I mean, with anything, I mean, especially you know, I think back to when I started the podcast and all, I mean, and I haven't just been podcasting wasn't my first thing i did writing for a long time um i don't know if you remember the the kind of failed experiment called the Medri.org. it was a facebook style magic the gathering website um just for magic players it was um no way when when was this? Oh, God, this was, what, 2014 through 2015? Jeff Hooglin wrote for them for a while, and I and they let me... I mean, anybody could start a blog, but only certain people could be featured bloggers, and I became one of the featured bloggers because it was my deck tech for Crufix that I wrote that, I, that people really seemed to enjoy, and I started doing other um, deck techs too, just and people were enjoying it, and... Um, and then that site went away and then I tried my own blog and then one of my buddies said, Hey, do a podcast. And I'm like, okay. And so I started the podcast and it really is about who, you know, and there is a lot of luck involved too, because like you said, you could be, I've seen people who have been doing it way longer than I have and just never have any kind of success at all like never get any kind of recognition from watsi or from any other companies or anything like that and a lot of it also is a lot of people have this misconception that these companies are just going to come to you you know no you have to go and go out for them you have to go and fight for yourself you know yeah and that and that's probably where i will stay in like entry level kind of numbers is i i don't i don't have the time for that i married with three kids i don't have really the time to kind of get there and do that kind of legwork oh I unless i started mean. unless i started daily streaming uh, arena and getting good at it and making funny jokes and doing you know 
if I if I could if I could pull off a of Vince Kenobi, I then yeah, I'd be fine. But I just can't nail the beard or the accent. That's all. <laughs> that's all there is to that. Would you want to do like full time content creation? Well, first I got to show the missus that the money's there and yeah. it's actually happening and not hypothetical. And then yeah, I could do that. So basically, it'll never happen. <laughs> But so, I will be kicking around doing articles and whatever I can, yeah. wherever I can. Well, no, it's just a question that I honestly ask myself a lot. And yeah, the money is really important, but it takes a certain type of character and a lot of guts to even try to do full-time content creation. Because when you think about it, there's not a lot of, um, it's not a very safe kind of job if you go for it. In terms of, I, and it doesn't yeah. seem to have longevity in it as well, too. Yeah, this was, um, there was, there was a radio, you know, living in Vermont, there's kind of a prerequisite you have to listen to NPR. And mm -hmm. basically, this came up. They were talking about YouTubers and talking about the burnout rate and talking about what happens when, why there's this, this, this kind of pressure to make content daily. Like, you have to be on all the time, you have to be trending all the time yep. and that's a lot that's a lot of burnout that's a lot of not just doing videos daily but you know working in advance like if you want a two-week vacation you got to make two weeks of content in advance and have it oh, ready yeah. and have it has to be relevant like you got to stay trending and they're, they're talking about this whole burnout rate and this idea like what are what are people doing to kind of get through that and I think some I think some content creators, regardless, out, even just outside of Magic, um, they get to a point where they they have if they you can develop that rapport with your fan base and be like, hey, listen, I love the support, but I gotta take some time for me. I have to like step away from this for a couple weeks. And I think when you've got the right that right kind of relationship with your fans, they'll come back to you. But this it still undermines your YouTube numbers, like or whatever. Yeah, and whatever it undermines platform. your money that you're gonna make too. Yeah, because yeah, so you don't get paid vacation or anything. No, when it's it comes a big to that. rat race, and I don't know what um like the adpocalypse that went down with YouTube. I I don't know what people were making prior to that mm -hmm. that adjustment that they made, but it sounds like some of the early YouTubers that got the numbers are making some insane dollars. Like, oh yeah, I, I don't, bet. I don't know. I don't know how PewDiePie got there, but uh. That's the biggest name I can think of as far as who made a buttload of money before he went off the rails. And even after that, he's still making a ton of money. I mean, it's he's ridiculous. still the number one YouTuber, and each of his videos gets anywhere from one to three million views, even God, now. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He could, and he makes videos daily. He could make a video about paint drawing, and it'd get him, you know, three million views. <laughs> What is, what, who's watching that? Dude, Please I mean, message us. We want to know who's watching that. I mean, I a feel lot. like any of them are watching us. <laughs> well, no, I mean, think about it. It's it's the same with those toy opening channels. It's, you know, it's, there's millions of views in that. I, I actually, my, so I work with a lot of vendors because um, being in IT, I work with a lot of, you know, VARs uh, and all that where I buy equipment from people and, you know, like computer stuff computer equipment and so one of the vendors that i know he has like one of his brothers or cousins or something just went full-time youtube talking about bitcoin and he has a pretty relative relatively successful youtube channel it's in the i think it's almost a hundred thousand 
subscribers and he does that full time now and says he makes like almost 10 grand a month just from that and with his patreon and ad money and it's just like shit <laughs> wow so a hundred thousand he's making 10 grand a month with patreon and ad money oh yeah. he's also, i mean it's also that's a, talking about a service too so he's talking about He's talking, talking about, about Bitcoin. Bitcoin money. Yeah. So that's Ta- there's talking big about, money in what he's talking oh, yeah. about. Oh yeah. And the people who are Patreons, they're like they're invested in the same thing too. You so know. yeah, there's, there's apparently his channel gives them tips on like, okay, this is the the cryptocurrency you need to buy, and then sells it, and you know whatever. It's a bunch of whole financial stuff. But yeah, I'm like when he told me that, I'm like shit. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that, and I, that's probably another piece of it. You got to talk about the right things. Like yeah. one of the one of the latest. You got to be I'd smart. Say, yeah, you got to be smart. You gotta you have to have some points that make sense to people. And and that's my I problem. guess I guess <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny. Like I I think when it comes to like content creators that have shown up after the big names made it, it's and that are thriving. Like the names that two of the names that come to mind. I mentioned Kenobi. He's cracked the 20,000 mark is pretty incredible how he's getting there but I think that's a combination of his streaming and then his recaps and the wit like he does this scripted 10 minute video talking like doing shots from what he was doing in that stream and it's just it's just fun to watch that I love the 10 minute videos from him because they are just entertaining he's like the John Cleese of the Magic Gathering community and then you've got Rudy who showed up well after the big names that got established he was a nobody out of nowhere and he's he was a finance guy came in and he took his finance money and started doing this he did he did a video thing about MTG finance started buying started being a little edgy but not so edgy that he was insufferable and he's just like lots of people hate him but a lot of people love him and that man has broken 150,000 subs in in what it's his channel is i think less than two years so something like that you know that's a good pace like and that it's kind of like the bitcoin guy he's this rudy's talking about mtg finance and the people who play that game do it well and will glean the pieces of information out of him that makes sense like he'll they'll get past whatever lewd comment he made or whatever like he's he's just kind of being it's it's like teenage humor basically and yeah. you get past that and you listen to some of the pieces of information that he's putting out there and you're like well maybe that's bullshit maybe that's not but that's okay i'll keep that in mind that kind of thing and that's what people i think are tuning in for and he you know he's running a business so i know a lot of people get get irritated about oh he's just trying to make money off of you yeah he's he's got a game store he's this is part of his marketing that yeah I'm he's not, got a warehouse full of product <laughs> that doesn't bother me. The man's running a business. He's playing the game. He's he's working the hustle. Then yeah, work that hustle. If you got that so, lineup, do it. <laughs> so speaking of Rudy, this is the one thing I don't understand with his followers, and, and maybe maybe I'm completely missing the point. So I've looked at his Patreon. One of his Patreon tiers, I think it's at the fifteen or twenty dollar mark. You get um, a discount in sealed booster boxes. Um, for whichever booster box he's selling that month when, mm-hmm. so if you're spending 15 to 20 bucks a month and then you're going to pay a discounted price on a box, you're essentially going to pay the same price you would to a normal LGS. Instead, you're just giving that money to Rudy. Cause I looked at his prices, his prices are anywhere from about 80 to $90 per booster box. 
So I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm missing something here as to, I mean, yeah, he may have loyal subscribers and all this, and that's fine. But I was just trying to see where's the, where's the discount that you're getting? Unless, <laughs> uh, unless, I mean, if, I guess if you, if you want to break it down to its parts, when somebody is paying a Patreon donation, they're paying for the content he's creating. Mm -hmm. So that money has been paid towards an additional service on top of the booster box. Yeah. So when, when well, you're not getting, why don't you just buy a regular box and this and that? Well, then uh, you want to, if you really want to break it down to its parts, it's going to be you're getting a booster box plus his content and whatever yeah. exclusive Patreon stuff he does. No, I, 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 I get that. It's just he. And it, that's, it doesn't make sense, but that's yeah. probably what it is. Yeah, it did just seem kind of weird that he just advertises this discount. And I'm like, uh, doesn't seem much of a discount to me. But, you know, I digress. It, his followers <laughs> eat it up. And I'm just, and then I just look at myself I'm like, I'm just fucking doing it all wrong. One, um, I had a, my previous podcast, I had Tasty Snackies on. And one of the things I was telling him was he and I, we both did it completely wrong when it came to starting podcasts. We need to first get good at magic, become a pro or some sort of known celebrity person or thing, and then start a podcast. Because when you start a podcast as a complete nobody, it's really hard to grow your audience. When I look at these other podcasts that some of the pro players have started, like Jerry and then the you know, now defunct Todd Stevens. <laughs> it's like oh. their podcast grew very quickly. And I'm like, well, fuck man, I'm grinding my ass off for almost well, three yeah, years now. Well, you know, there's, there's an adage in the wine business. If you want to make a small fortune in wine, start with a large fortune, that kind of, yeah. it, that's, it translates. You pro yeah, you gotta have, you have to have, if you want to grow rapidly in content creation, you either need to, bribe the hell out of your audience or yes. you you need to you need to have a reputation behind you mm -hmm. you know like something like magic mics everybody on that show has some history with the game yeah predominantly evan evan has the biggest history with that with the game overall oh yeah because he had so the magic show he, for such a long he are, time yeah he already had the follower base so, like people who show up and ha start up a project of content creation and they get this rapid growth had a following to begin with and that's kind of like if I start doing more video, I've got more people with me on social media through Twitter now than I did two years ago when I was doing videos just yeah. randomly. So if I keep at the video, I could expect that I could probably break the hundred mark in a reasonable amount of time, but I don't expect it to be huge. But yeah, like when you're working, if you when you're really working the game and you're playing the game professionally, or you are you've just been in it for the last twenty years and people know you, yeah, your your content will grow. And if you're going to start from scratch and it's going to be kind of like, that's the other thing. Like if you're going to start from scratch and you sell it that way, that's, that's a different thing. Uh, uh, like, I guess the most recent example would be sickly MTG sickly. Mm -hmm. She's started, she's broken the 5,000 mark in a year. And it's about her. It's kind of like this vlog journey of a newer player getting. Well, she got game. huge boost from bigger content creators, and that's what really skyrocketed her. Without that, I think it would have taken her a lot longer. And plus, some of her first videos were really controversial as well, too. So she really hit that controversial really? bug. If you look okay. at like her second or third video, it was of course about everybody's favorite topic of women and magic. And that tr that got a lot of views, and that was a very uh, early video for her as well, too. 
So, you know, she may have been looking, she may have been trying to crack the formula, kind of like mm-hmm. coaches cracking that top 100 formula looking at algorithms. She mm-hmm. must have been looking at what people are doing, what would be different, and what would get the people, you know, viewers through the door early. So something yeah. controversial early, yeah, that probably was a big piece of that. Um, and I even just looking at her video style, it, it's a different style. Like, it's this... Yeah, it's a more vlog-type style. Yeah, it, and it's like you can... Her her experience with the, with the programming and equipment, like, she either has a background in photography or knew mm-hmm. somebody who did and spent a lot of time hanging out with them. So as far as like shots and video, she's got this, she's got the visual down. It's very artsy. Yeah. Yeah. It's got this artsy feel and she does this video, this audio overlay and it's like a vlog. So everything about that, what she's doing is different. So I think that's a, you know, between those early videos that you're talking about and then her style, I think that's part of why that channel is growing. And it's like what sets you apart. And mm-hmm. that's that's the tricky part. And that is where part. it gets hard because how many people and I've talked to so many content creators because with some of my one of the things I always did early on was really get to know other smaller content creators. Right. And there'd be mm-hmm. so many I've talked to in the past that have come and gone and they all do the same thing. Deck techs, pack openings. Um, you know, then I see ones that do podcasts where they basically talk about the same things, deck techs, um, you know, oh, the recent news and magic. And I'm guilty of that too. Like I still do deck techs and talk about recent news and all that, but I also like to have guests on like yourself as well and just have a conversation about magic. I mean, it doesn't have to be, there'll be times where I'll bring someone on and I'll want to talk about them, interview them. Like, especially some of my first few guests that I had on. It was more drilling. I'm like, I actually wrote down a list of questions. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, ah, whatever. We'll talk about whatever the hell pops up. And I feel like when it's a more organic type conversation, it flows better. But getting back to what I was saying, but yeah, it's really hard to stand out. And, you know, when there's so many other people doing the same thing. And a lot of the advice that I've given before is, you know, if if you're going to continue doing deck techs and pack openings and all that stuff, look at what others are doing that are bigger than you and don't necessarily copy them, but use them as a foundation, you know, do the same kind of style that they're doing, but add your own twist to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and not necessarily a twist of, Oh, you know, I'm going to open up uh, booster packs while naked on the lawn or something like that. No, not like that. Just, just, I don't know. I'm, inject your own personality into it. You know. You know what I mean. <laughs> getting the views for all the wrong reasons. Yes. <laughs> no, but I feel like if you inject your personality into a lot of it, and I feel maybe that's where I could have done better, maybe in my first year or so, because this um, is you try to put on a persona, right? And especially this year with all that's been happening with my daughter and all that, I've had to really coming out on that episode talking about what's been going on with her because this has been happening since february felt like such a relief to me that i feel i could become more real with my audience and more real on social media where hey you guys are getting more the real me not that i was completely fake the entire time you know what i mean it's just having to hide certain parts of my personality of or hide certain parts of my life too you know well yeah i mean that that's the other that's the other piece of the whole content creation is like how much of yourself do you share like what do you tell the world about who you are and how it's like i i haven't shared too much about myself but yeah you know if you, somebody wants to find me like now they definitely i went with my proper name for 
for card sphere as to be kind of i want i want it to be legit like when mm -hmm. i look at other content creators i look at i want my face to be on my social media so you, you it's not some hoax it's not like some random random picture that you don't never really know if it's an actual mm -hmm. person or a russian spy bot or you know have my face posted up there so people can like make the connection that's a human being and just that's part of the marketing that that's yeah. something that you know that was a conscious decision i made when I made that when I made that change, um, for the longest time it was the nerdy Shivan Dragon. Yeah, I remember that. The big, big round glasses for for, and then, you know, also changing, changing my handle. That was another marketing decision on my part. Like as far as ad, marketing, advertising, whatever. Like my original Twitter handle was it's Van Profit One. Yeah, I remember I, that. I wanted. <laughs> I I thought to myself, I want to be an homage to the. Dumbest magic card. Uh, let me just tear my pictures down. Fine. Oh, not this the Mana right Dorks. Here. This one, yeah, right there. There's Uncle Listavan right there. So the the worst fog bank ever. It was printed in the dark expansion, and <laughs> I, I wanted to be. I don't know. My, I'm going to be the raving. Pro I was. It was so dumb. It was so dumb. I don't know why. So I did, I I made the conscious decision to change my Twitter handle and the actual username and the at, hand, at, at handle and it was about making it Johnny's kind of a play style for me and my name so it works and yeah. Slivers Slivers is a troll. It is if it, it, it's a troll for one. There's a very specific individual that I use that handle for who doesn't use social media because he's a, fr a friend of mine who owns a game store and he loathes loathes slivers and i know there's a small subset of the player base that can't stand slivers so it's a fun joke for me but it it made more sense it's something that i think people will that's an easier name for people to like oh johnny slivers i know who that is but it's been what's up what it's been profit no. <laughs> it just didn't roll off the tongue so i had to change that so yeah making it making yourself easy to say like making yeah. a brand name that people can actually click with and get no, as opposed Johnny to saying, slivers is a good one yeah that one i i just i lucked out <laughs> yeah now zuby i've had zuby forever um because it's a play on my last name and um i've had it when when i used to deliver pizza for little caesars that's that's dating me a long time <laughs> when it's little caesars when little caesars used to deliver pizza yes it wasn't always the five dollar hot and ready um that was back when was i in college i think i was um and or was that was that right after high school i can't remember one during whenever um so and then someone just called me zubatron at one point and i'm like what and I, I I can't remember how that even came apart, and then they just called me Zubatron, Zuby, El Zubis, um, and I'm like, yeah, Zuby, Zubatron, I like that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the good old nicknames. Yes. Oh, but I do agree with you on the, um, you know, even though I have opened myself up a lot more, I've not completely shown the magic community my all my personality because they don't i don't want everybody to know how much of a wretched person i am actually <laughs> especially now 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 you john and coach have some sort of idea but you really have no idea um my my <laughs> it gets worse <laughs> oh yes my my buddy my buddy um uh 
Matt, who's Killer Bees on the VCR Gaming Podcast, he and I have been working together, God, almost eight years now. And um, he can tell you I'm a pretty wretched person. And and I don't mean that like I'm a I'm really a bad person or anything like that. Like I go and, you know, commit crimes and I'm a terrible person and, you know, racist bigot and all this shit. No, it's just I don't know. I just don't have a much of a filter, I guess is the best way to to put it. Like I'll I'll audibly say shit. It, it sounds like there's a, a hierarchy of bathroom humor to go through here. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there it is. It's like, which which layer of bathroom humor are you willing to go to on the internet? Speaking yeah. of bathroom humor, um, um, you might be able to see it on the screen. Oh, wait, which camera is it? This one. Uh, you see this picture right here? That was me in Vegas drunk taking a picture of me and, and Killabees <laughs> at the bathroom stall. <laughs> Was that your recent trip to Vegas? Yes, yes, that was what two weeks ago. We were we were in the um um the Paris hotel. Uh, yeah, was it Paris? I think it was. And and we were like fucking drunk as shit. And, and 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 it was um um and it was midday, mind you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even see, nighttime. I Actually, remember we got to see some drunk Zuby. You were yes. were you sober at all for that trip? <laughs> Oh no, I was in the mornings. <laughs> the conferences, and the second it was lunch, it was time for that martini. Oh my god, that's right. That day we had the all-day meeting. I didn't have a drink until that night, and I don't even remember when I did drunk Zuby. I don't remember what night it was, but oh my god, I I was saying some shit. I don't no, even fucking remember. I remember yeah. there was that the tweet chain of kissy faces. <laughs> oh, like, I'll have to look back because I don't. Ted got into it, John got into it, and then I put up my weird ass face. And oh, okay, I remember that. I was taking pictures of myself. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, what the hell is that? I, I, <laughs> I, I, I took two or three pictures, thinking to myself, okay, if I put this up there, Dunning's gonna paste my face onto something, and I got to make sure. Yes. Not the worst. I, I gotta look back at them. I gotta look back at all the drunk tweets because I even had a uh, Brian, the professor, tweeting me saying, you know, saying like, "Oh, you're a beautiful man" or some shit. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, there, there it is. You gotta make that one of your moments so you can go back and check it and be able to find it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll look it up later. But yeah, it was fucking magical. Um, yeah, but Vegas. Have you ever been to Vegas? No, I have not. And it's a shithole I, town. John's completely right. That place is a shithole. I, I just and you know what I I wish Channel Fireball would straighten out that scheduling because what Vegas Vegas was in June like yeah the longest for, time, yeah for the past few years is, and now it's in August why yeah, the hottest now, month of the year not even just hottest month the, the it's August twenty second like yeah. college students are on their way getting how they are have they back to school yet or i can't probably that's when people are going back to school like people are yeah. getting ready to go back to school or they're back to school it seems. Like the entire calendar probably must have a still been filled up, and yeah. and the the convention centers that they got was like, yeah, this is the one you got, August twenty second. Yeah, sorry, I, I we know. got the um, Yu Gi Oh Pokemon tournament that weekend that you wanted to book. That's why it's back in August. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. If now I did have a fun time in Vegas, but I will say if you can't, if you don't like the smell of weed, cigarettes, or piss, it you won't. You know, you your nose. Your sense of smell will have Sounds a bad like time. Sounds like paradise. Yeah, it's um, I can't stand all three, and e- even in the mornings, like, cause I'd wake up, 
obviously because it's a three hour time difference for me, I'd wake up super early and I'd walk down the street to go um, get an energy drink. And, you know, even at like six or seven in the morning, oh, it smells like piss everywhere. Oh, it smells like weed everywhere. It's like, what the fuck, man? And, and the type of sleaze that is in that town as well, too. It's just, yeah, hookers leaving the bedrooms at 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, a lot of rich people, too, which is, you know, crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, Vegas has come a long way, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've heard my other podcast, but I sort of compare it to, um, you know, because Flor- Florida is a special kind of trash. All right. It's like, I know in Vermont, it's probably all on the up and up for the majority of the part. Because you guys are a relatively small state compared to Florida. Florida (laughs) is very, very special. (laughs) We've got... Now, now I like to describe Florida. Florida is a melting pot in central Florida. And then down south is basically Cuba or slash Puerto Rico um, because of Miami and all that. And then... Cuba Rico? Yeah. Cuba Rico. Oh, oh no! Don't let them hear you say that. They'll fucking oh. flip their shit. Okay. I apologize. I, I I don't know. I'm sorry. Please, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. No, it's just this big. No, it's, it, yeah. it's it's always been a thing. Like Cubans hate Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans hate Cubans, and it's like whatever. Oh jeez, I didn't know it was that bad. No, oh, dude, it's they hate each other. It's it's funny. Um, not all of them, but it's always been this big, you know, thing like my country's better than your country type shit. Oh, like, kind of like team rivalry. Maybe it's, is it rooted in soccer? Hmm. Um, I think it's rooted in communism. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't know the whole history of it, but, um, but so you got that. And then right North of the County that I live in, it becomes very Southern and, and then the County right South of me is known as like one of the biggest pillhead counties of the whole state of Florida. So, um, you know the show Live PD? No. So Live Live PD is um you know the show Cops, right? Yeah. So it's Live PD is sort of like Cops but it's live. Um and one of the pre what? is it just like a constant live stream of just whatever Yes. Cops happen to be live streaming? Yep. Yep, and, and it, they they do it through different precincts throughout the throughout the country, and one of the precincts happened to be Pasco County in Florida, and that's known as like the meth head pill capital of you know Florida, and all that shit. So um, we have a lot of high quality trash here in Florida, and um, you should come down sometime. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that on my bucket list. <laughs> no, I mean Florida. I mean it's just like anywhere. There's there's bad parts of Florida and really good parts of Florida. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that you, you know, in Ver- Vermont's got a lot of middle of nowhere. So, like it, there's, there's a, it's a small state, but if you drive 20 minutes in any direction, you will find a, just a empty field somewhere just happens. Or you're to out of the there. state. Yeah. And <laughs> we've got what we call class four roads, just dirt roads. It's like, we've got, we've got some backcountry, and if you don't have gps or don't know where you're going you can get lost now is it a kind of scary backwoods country like you come across some some redneck or hillbilly trash like oh no i may i may get eaten if i talk to them (laughs) no no i don't think it's quite that bad like i think let's say like if you're looking for 
I think the closest to there's like there's different demographics of what you would classify as I guess like redneck like you might be a redneck Jeff Foxworthy really kind of jokes yeah so down south you got rednecks now, oh when, yeah when you get to the when you get north of they're more hillbillies the, when you start getting into like I can speak to New York like upstate New York is they've got the the term is woodchuck like there's okay. they're very country oriented they live in the adirondacks it's the woods it's the mountains it's beautiful countryside and it's like you just that's there's there's a dialect to it like there's definitely a dialect and a sound to the people who live in that region so people there's the people will like the term in the past is woodchuck maybe it's not appropriate anymore i'm not sure i've never heard but that then, term actually before you probably wouldn't. It's something you would hear. It's I think it's an upstate New York thing. Okay. And then there's kind of, it kind of goes. It's not that that term doesn't travel across the lake into Vermont, but it's still kind of like there's country though. So there's farm country and there's a lot of rural living, and it's kind of that's that the the thing I they like to do demolition derbies. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's a lot of people who like to go to the demolition derbies, and I I love watching that. That's hilarious. I just that's where Twitter fights can be solved is in a demolition. <laughs> you know, get yeah. off of your phones, go to the junkyard, get your jalopy, and just go ram it into the people you can't stand in a confined space where no one else will get hurt. And there it is. The crowd can scream at you. They go home. They're happy. It's going to be it'll be fine. And then the other thing to do is mudding. There's a thing called mudding. Mudding. Oh, mudding. yeah. We, we have that down here. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Mud- we're you- swamp country. Yeah, you can tell when it's mud season when you see souped-up trucks driving down the road covered yep. in mud. So I mean, oh wait, we've what, got... what are the, what do we call them? Brodozers or <laughs> brodozers? Um, I think I think that's I've, what that we call them. I've I've even seen some trucks tricked out to be go do the whole rolling coal thing where they deliberately set their vehicle up to burn inefficiently and spew mountains of black smoke. I, I remember having a girlfriend who was a bit country and she would always want me to try to go mudding with her and her cousin or something. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not my kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Florida cracker. All right. I was born and raised in Florida, but I'm definitely I'm not really a southern boy or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, you go mudding. OK, I will go here and, you know, because both my parents came from up north. I've got my dad who came from New Jersey and my mom who came from Maine. She's a maniac. So I'm very much a <laughs> maniac. All right. Well, no, that's what they call themselves. Maniacs. Um, <laughs> oh my God. And um, so I'm very much a northern southern boy, I guess you could say. Kind of almost a transplant. Kind yeah. of like raised, raised by northern folks, but raised in, in the south. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, so I don't know. I've never heard this term before until I met my wife. So we call we always called, you know, going to, like, the grocery store, the shopping cart or a grocery cart, right? So mm-hmm. apparently in the south, my wife was born and raised in the south by southern, you know, parents and all that. They call it a buggy. And I've never, ever heard that term before, ever in my life, called a buggy. And I'm like, what the fuck is a buggy? And what it, What do you mean that shopping cart's called a buggy? And it's like, someone to like be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's not called a buggy. Have, yeah, had, you know. That, have you ever heard that before? I've never heard. I, I might have heard buggy, but I've always called it a shopping cart. Or, yeah. Yeah, I've always called it a shopping cart, like. It's a shopping cart. It's kind of like once you get past doing get far far enough out west, it goes from soda to pop. Um, yeah. For me, I was 
my biggest challenge i was born in new jersey so mm-hmm. when my when i moved my parents moved us north into new york state we got into new york state and for some reason i, ne- I didn't make it jesus crow is a phrase that is used in the northeast Jesum Crow. Jesum Crow. Jesum Crow is an actual bird, but people would say Jesum Crow because they didn't want to say <laughs> Jesus Christ. And in my yeah. head, I'm like, it's not Jesum Crow. It's Jesus Christ. Say it right. Oh um, my God, I've never heard that before. It, it was that was when I was like a teenager, and I was just like, it just I heard that, and it was one of, that was one of those like regional dialect things. I was like, this, yeah. this I don't get. What are you? Why are you saying that? It doesn't make sense. But I get it now. But it's yeah, it's like different. It's fun. To be like it, it is it's very very fun meeting people from other states like that like um when so like i was going back th- this will touch on politics for a little bit here i'm, I'm not going to go deep into it but you know being in florida especially the county that i'm in it's very a conservative county right and there's a lot of trump supporters here and a lot of just straight up conservative people so and I, I am a registered Democrat, and but I'm usually one of those I'll lean either way depending on, you know, voting issues, blah, blah, blah. But so going over to Las Vegas, uh, the company that I work for, it's based out of California. And so I was meeting a lot of people who were from L.A. and all that, and they're straight up, you know, progressive Democrats and liberals and you know, bleeding heart liberals. And you only really see the memes about, you know, the liberal snowflakes and all that stuff. And I'm using quotations here uh-huh. and, you know, you see all those dumb memes and I've got family members who post them and you meet some of these people. And it's like, oh, my God. So some of these might actually have some truth behind it. Just the way they're talking about stuff. And I'm like, I'm, and I'm just fascinated more than anything. Like, oh, my gosh. So it's it's real. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about a stereotype and stereotypes yeah. are rooted in some truth somewhere. It's not yeah. a catch all for everybody, but that's like, it happens somewhere. So that's why it kind of took hold. doesn't make it right. It just means there's, there's something behind it. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it, it's it just like, kind of blew my mind. Cause you know, when you're used to being around for you know, Republicans and conservative people all your life, you're just sort of like, Oh, so this is what it's like being around on the other side. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was um, in 2016. I'm I'm actually in Trump country, believe it or not. There's a, oh, that's right, you are. Yeah, Vermont, Vermont. If it, I, if if Burlington and its surrounding suburbs were launched into the sun today, mm-hmm. Vermont would probably be a red state. Like that's that's the difference. Like Burlington takes us to takes turns vermont blue because the yeah. population is there and that's where a lot of the democratic base is located and there, you know there's lots of there's plenty more pockets like you go down to brattleboro you go down yeah. to you know go over to montpelier yeah there's lots of that there but when you're in vermont country like i was in trump country i saw i saw two democratic signs for hillary clinton that's it yeah like everything else was trump it was yeah. it was blew my it blew my mind but like that's that's the thing it happens yeah it, it does and um and i know there's um a lot of democrats based in tampa and miami and all that so it's not like I'm, i've never ever seen a democrat or anything like that so in case anybody's <laughs> wondering like no don't get me wrong it's just it's it's a different kind of level of i guess progressiveness that i'm not used to really seeing you know what i mean so when, when seeing those people from L.A., they were very passionate about politics. And me, most of the time, I'm just sort of like, eh, you know, whatever. I'm in Florida. And it's gonna... 
So yeah, it, this this is this is probably the most I've discussed politics on the internet at all. Yeah. Um, I like back in 2016, my Facebook had some stuff, and I'd taken a lot of it down. I, I just I don't even talk it anymore. It's it's. it's no, I I really don't either. That yeah, back in 2016. Um, when I had no idea that Trump was even gonna win at all, my sister hated Trump so bad that I would just start posting memes on my Facebook about <laughs> Trump and all that and saying he's the greatest and all that stuff. And it would just get her so <laughs> mad. And, 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 and that's always been our relationship too, that I would just do anything I could to get her mad. And e even 30 years later, I'm still doing it because it's so funny to see her get worked up and, <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's why that's why it's sometimes like I'm a little afraid to add people to my Facebook as friends because it's like oh they're gonna look through my shit especially during 2016 see all this Trump stuff Jeez. and I'm like I'm like I was just, just having a gaff a goof and a gaff. <laughs> just go back delete delete the delete your profile just get rid of it I'm don't even use Facebook anymore. It's just, it's well, just, it, it really is the only way I can keep in contact with certain members of my family. That's the main reason. And yeah. <clears throat> and that, yeah, that's kind of like the only thing I would use Facebook for is contacting people that I'm connected through Facebook for the purpose of something other than text or phone. Yeah. Call. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, another thing I wanted to mention, just one last thing about <laughs> politics is here in Florida, and I'm sure this doesn't happen at all up in Vermont, but we have <clears throat> one of our major highways is called uh, 75, and mm -hmm. we have what I think is the world's biggest Confederate flag right flying right off of 75. Um It's owned by this guy. He's owned this for years and years. I can remember even when I was a little kid. Um, him just owning this giant, like ginormous seven, or Confederate flag. So it's still there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There have been so many people that have been trying to get him to take it down. There's been people like have taken it down and burned it, but he just buys another one. It's some rich old motherfucker that <laughs> owns it, and so he just goes out and buys it. It's, it's yeah, wow. it's 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 insanity, and oh, and and it's not uncommon to see Confederate flags everywhere too. I mean, they're freaking everywhere, man. You're just like, hey, yo, you know what? And they, there's there's a handful of them in the state here. Are there they, really Confederate? Yes. Wow, dude. I would not have think thought that from the north. There was um, it's, they don't stay up much, but it was you know, like uh, back when. There was a lot of controversy over the Confederate flag yeah. and a lot of the statues that were being torn down. Um, there were people; they had a, a Confederate flag flying on their pickup truck. They were driving through town. I was like, "In Vermont, in Vermont." That's, I'm like, did, what, "What? Do, do you this know what side? Do you know what side of the country you're on?" <laughs> I just because I'm used yeah. to seeing it everywhere in Florida, right? And I, I just, it's just part you know, of my life. It's not just like in the South. There's, it's not. I'm not saying there's a lot of the of this, a lot of people doing that in Vermont. It was literally I can count it on one hand how many times I saw that happening. But is, it's still like it's there, man. It's it's all That's over the country. Insane, it's holy shit. So yeah. one last thing I will mention, and then we're gonna get into some magic talk here. So <laughs> speaking of Confederate flags, you can look this up. We have a African American who has this big pickup truck that has confederate flags on it all over and the n-word plastered everywhere y you can look it up it, he's it the reason why he does it is he hates the mayor of tampa so it's 
that that's his way of protesting the mayor having confederate flags plastered everywhere in the n-word and it's just you, you got to look it up it's very funny this this guy is just yeah uh, i don't i um <laughs> i'm sorry i've got nothing <laughs> I, i've got nothing for you that's <clears throat> you win you win that staring contest that, that it's okay. florida 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 that's florida. all i can say we are the state that literally had someone on bath salts and eat someone's face off. Oh God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, it's, it's fine. If it's fine, let's let's move on. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> let's talk about the EDH deck that you plan on bringing to um Carnage Con here. Oh, um, I this... don't even know if I play. Aminatau was... is that how you say it? I was going to run Aminatau and I. I don't. Th- I was gonna try going pillow for it with it. Don't think I can do it. I. You I think it's gonna be too it. slow? It's too slow. I know it's too slow. And tonight, part of the reason I was running a little behind tonight was mm-hmm. because um, two of the people that I was playtesting with, one of them, he's gotten. There is a, a C EDH subreddit like mm-hmm. competitive. You don't hear. You hear a lot of casual commander, and this is gonna be. This will also be like for probably for another follow-up article. This is going to be my my venture into what com- competitive commander is. Oh no! It, yeah, there's there's <clears throat> it's a so degenerate, bro. There's a turn one protean protean Hulk win con. Yeah, done. Like you get your lotus petal and a land and whatever the combo. There's a combo for it, and you protean Hulk and you win. And I'm like, why? Like, well, clearly I'm playing the wrong deck, and something as simple as laboratory maniac and there's also like decks that are just tuned for they have two combos and they have a primary and a backup yeah and, that's it. and everything else is the machine racing to the combo and I that and not- destroying all lands and making sure have, the yeah, other person been, can't play magic i have not been building that way i thought i was going to be cute and get like paradox engine and palancron and do some kind of shenanigans there i won't even get to that combo because what i'm building was running too slow i mean we let me see if we can oh boy let's see let's see if we can share this up oh, there it is screen share share that so is it showing is it showing yeah yeah i'm seeing it on all right so this is i was gonna go infinite loops etb triggers um amanatu has the uh, peladar guardian combo so right there you've got my my logic was half my combo is in the command zone and i was going to go with that as one piece and then i've got a couple other combos with uh where where, where, where to go find me sun titan so what was the felidar combo gonna be felidar bounces amanatu she comes back and bounces felidar they just it's an infinite loop of into the battlefield triggers. So you either run that loop through one of the soul sisters or you go into your, Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's the altar, not of dementia, altar of the brood. I'll find it here and show it. Oh, right. I pulled it. All right. Altar of the brood was the other, other angle. And I'm just, my biggest concern being altar of the brood is if we put it into some kind of graveyard shenanigans deck, but you know, this friend of mine was telling me that, Moldrotha is not a competitive build and the, there's actual the competitive builds aren't counting on the graveyard they're just chasing down a combo and ending the game yeah. um, so there's uh, there's one I forget the name of the card it's um he mentioned you could do laboratory maniac and there is for an instant for one black from ice age where you name a card 
I think you exile the top six, and then you go through your deck and look for that card. So you have Laboratory Maniac out. You run this in someone's end step just before you start. You just exile your deck and win on your draw step. And that's what that's that's like how is that even fun? It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a tournament. It's I like know, going, I know. And that's the, this is like look uh, when looking at what what's the difference between like competitive play for EDH, which you almost never hear about because most people are talking about casual formats or fun combos. It, yeah. it is a social game. Like people, that's why so many people are kind of opposed to cyclonic rift because it's kind of anti-social. It's like you're not playing magic anymore but I am, and it just defeats the purpose of what the game is for most people. But when you put it in a tournament setting, like, I I don't see commander tournaments on a regular basis, so I, I see this once a year come through my area, and it's, like, last year when I went, it was an, um, it was an Animar deck that could just basically ins- get insane value off of something like Palancron or Peregrine Drake or whatever with, with Equilibrium, and that was the way to do it. And I was like, I had Aminatu and I wanted to make use the Felidar combo and then I decided to get a Palancron with some of my article money and like I put it all together and it's like, oh yeah, right. This is supposed to go in an Animar deck. So I I try thought I was gonna be all all cheeky and do some tricked out deck only to find out that maybe this wasn't the right path to go with Animar or with Aminatu. I mean, I've got a lot of the key tutors that I would need to for cons- you know for consistency. Um, I've picked. A, I have had a vampiric tutor for a little while. I've had demonic tutors for since you know back when I, I started yeah. playing Vise. So I still had some of those kicking around, and I was shocked. Like I put them on Goldfish here, and it's um, it's like I couldn't believe the prices. Oh, I, I know. Like Vampiric tutors at breaking forty-five, uh, demonic tutors up to forty-ish, like around forty dollars. It's crazy. It's just, and that's probably that's not tournament play. That's got to be EDH driving those prices. No, it like, really is. I mean, even a uh, Tasty and I were discussing how much EDH, even quote unquote casual EDH, is becoming more of a spiky format now. Yeah, and, um, and, and it's, it's probably just just growing. I I gotta imagine that, and that you know we were we were kind of busting each other's chops about arena the other day. But it's I gotta wonder, like, if EDH casual play is driving prices like this, like you need your demonic tutors if you want to play competitive EDH, mm-hmm. and and people even if you're not playing competitive, even if you just want a tutor, like an extra copy of whatever your key combo is in your casual deck. You need a tutor. You need one of these. Yep. And it's got to, you know, it comes down to like how many EDH players are out there. We're talking about, esti- I'm going to say there's 15 million players. They say 30. I'm going to hedge my bets and say there's 15 million. Even then, that's a lot of people. And I, and, and I think they claim it's the most popular format, too, to play. Yeah. And that, that it, it's when is, you got to get it on Arena. Like, that's the thing. Well, I what they really need, they need to get Brawl first on Arena if they want to keep that format to even exist haven't you they know. written that format off i thought they said they were phasing that format out no that was just on magic online they're phasing it out oh so but i don't know anybody that plays brawl neither do i but arena is like the perfect you know client to even play brawl on if you think about it so when does the beta for arena when is that over when does it go into final product who the hell knows they, so they haven't just... announced any date at all 
for it. Okay, so it could be it could be in six months, it could be in six years. They could just spend the next however long getting Arena fine tuned. Yeah. I, I would assume they would probably try to officially release it um, next year, sometime next year. Maybe, maybe when the final Ravnica set comes out, um, it's gonna release. Because we have one more Ravnica set come January, and then the other one in April. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's when they'll they'll officially start Frontier. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, they are gonna come out with some sort of r- non-rotating format in Arena because we already know they have all of Kaladesh up to um, uh, Amonkhet cards in the database for Magic Arena. Plus, I don't know if you remember this, but back when, because um, I was in the closed beta for Magic Arena when it first started, when you could only play one of two decks, either the pirate deck or the dinosaur deck, mm-hmm. um, there was also a time when they implemented some 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 of the older dual decks, the Blessed versus Cursed dual deck, which had a bunch of old Innistrad cards in it. So that tells me there is possibility that they could even add older sets in into this client as well, too. Well, I I, I believe that's possible. It's a matter of manpower. It's coding. Yeah. You gotta well, you gotta put the time in to code them and yep, put the and mechanics if this is in. Making them if this ends up making them a lot of money, they're gonna obviously gonna want to invest in it more because this client is gonna be a lot easier for newer players to get into because you don't have to spend ten dollars up front in order to play it. That's cool, and you know, I they gotta. It, I think the shiny new hotness needs to perform, and yeah. then when Amazon buys them out, then they'll get the <laughs> money. For, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. There, I this there's. You remember, you know, the whole quiz show brought that up when when we when um. When Kosh asked the question, like whether or not it was Yu-Gi-Oh or po- Pokemon, Wizards owned Pokemon. Hasbro had Pokemon. Yeah, for a few years. They, and back when they sold it, they thought Pokemon peaked. So it's like, do they think Magic has peaked? Like, do they think maybe they're waiting for that stock to get back up to that 120 mark to recoup the losses from 2017 and sell off? Like, is that a possibility? I don't know. I, I just, I feel like. The unless the like has the stockholders the primary stockholders at Hasbro, there's got to be a point where they want to cash out. Yeah. I don't know who they are. I don't know like I don't know how long they've held the stock. I don't know how long they've been involved with the company. Whatever. But if they're getting to like retirement age and they just they just want to phone it and be done, or they there's an inheritance and suddenly somebody who happens to inherit a controlling portion of the company is like, yeah, I want that money. Like boom, done, and they just sell it. I don't know. They're already Maybe. partnered up. That's the thing. When I see when I see Wizards of the Coast partnering up with with Amazon for distribution, and I look at those stock numbers, I'm like, wow, Amazon. If they like what they see, could snap that up in a heartbeat. Just be like, hi, you see your stock portfolio? We can pay you twice that. <laughs> and Hasbro be like, done, gotcha, you got it, you you've got, got it. Got him. Because I was looking at other ones, like Disney can't do it. They're at about the same level, or were when I last looked. And then Blizzard's not there. They don't have the money. Uh, I don't know if I looked at the I don't even think Blizzard would even want magic. Oh, it, they would want, it would they would mess want with it Hearthstone. To, they would want it to shut down Arena. 
and they like put the old client back up and let us suffer and then they can have their hearthstone and have our magic on i'm being cynical yeah. about that I, I really don't know i'm just making things up that's pretty much Since it so yeah yeah just make it up just cinch it that's how i feel about life that's pretty <laughs> much what i've done all my life people actually believe that i know what i'm doing yeah he's gotta fake it that's mm-hmm. all oh yeah what were we talking about we're um your deck here my deck okay so the idea behind this deck was to go infinite loops with some stuff like the uh peregrine drakes here and the cloud, cloud of fairies, fairies with the bounce lands to do infinite loops and originally i was trying to do like the the vision the bounce lands from visions um, but those require you to, I think, is it sacrifice an untapped land of the corresponding color? They're just, they're not there. Like, the yeah. bounce lands from Visions might work in a two-color deck. They don't work in a three-color deck. So I had dropped those. And the you get something like Peregrine Drake out with five lands, one of them being a bounce land. And you can, you can get infinite loops with something like um, Equilibrium. When you get two bounce, it works better with Cloud of Fairies because all you need are two bounce lands and you can start doing loops with either Deadeye Navigator or Equilibrium. And the idea is to get that ETB trigger off of Soul Sisters or you can alter the brood. If the stars align just right, you can get infinite mana and run Torment of Hailfire, Exsanguinate, um, and even do something like either Sky Scribbling or, um, or Prosperity. Like This is a rough list that I've got that doesn't have a lot of some of these cards I'm talking about. But it, and the thing I wanted to do, I wanted to break mnemonic betrayal. It's not in here because it's it just wasn't making the cut. But I wanted to be able to mill everyone's deck, steal their graveyard, and just just beat them with their own deck. Make them and, cry. Yeah, make them cry. Not not just mill them to death, but to actually kill them with their own deck. And I my my kind I of like pie it. In, I like my it. Pie in the sky <laughs> dream was to just ruin ruin people's days with mnemonic betrayal. But I kind of was trying to cut the fat and be more efficient with the deck. And I I don't know. I dropped that one. But I don't even know where I'm going with this. I might be – I have a lot of the pieces for stacks, which I feel extra dirty about. But if I went with something like – stacks, bro. I I know. It's it's that or Perforos and just burn. Oh, God. Dude, Norrin the Wary. Uh, but he's, he's such a fun me, commander. He's he's so cheeky. He is, and he's so much is fun. This, is this screen showing up on yeah. like for the video for recording? Like mm-hmm. you, it is. All right. Yep. So. I mean, it's um, I've got you in a small little box. I mean, when you hover over a card, you can see it. Okay. Nor in the wary. Oh, time spiral. Yeah, nor in the wary. He's a fun little card. He's six dollars now. Yes, he is six dollars. Fuck when that shit. That spike happened. Oh man, that spike happened in 2014. Back with when. Screw Lord that. He's. I, I'm done. I don't want him anymore. When a player places a spell or a creature attacks, remove Norn the Wary from the game. Return it to play under its owner's control. Oh, it just instantly blinks. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So speaking of other dumb mono red commanders, um, I really hate Atali, that primal storm dinosaur. 
Oh, how do you spell that? Is it, E-T-A-L-I. Yeah, there you go. Primal Storm. Is that is that the Chaos one? Whenever ex- exile the top yeah. card of each player's library. Fuck that card. It is so friggin' annoying. Like, you have to stop it from even coming out. Oh, oh my. Like, I've, I've seen, I've played against people who will get it out by turn three because they'll just ritual into, you know, soul ring. Mana rocks into yeah. mana vault into everything. And, and you're oh just God. like, oh, well, fuck my life. Okay. At least it doesn't <laughs> have haste. Yeah. Right. Until, it, until you give it haste. Until you give it, like, lightning grease oh. or swift foot boots. Or they just, like faithless looting their anger into the graveyard because reasons oh yeah oh god oh Atali, that's so rude yeah he's I, really annoying to play against i mean he's really good if you're playing him but wow fuck that card in a million ways <laughs> oh god what's my what's the what's the commander that i, I loathe the most zur the enchanter he's pretty annoying yeah is Zer's pretty bad, but no, I I said this with the one on, uh, Tasty. I I really hate Memnark. I hate Memnark so much. Oh, like a Memnark combo. E- even if even if it's not the Memnark combo, just if you're playing regular, hey, I'm gonna steal everything you ever own, Memnark. I hate it. Uh, an artifact. It's all. It's all the. It's all the steelsies. Oh yeah, oh. that's dirty that's a dirty dirty pool oh yeah and it's like people hate on perforos and i get it but it's just so straightforward it's like we're doing damage this is the damage game yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get my sulfuric vortex out there it is and then somebody goes and plays one of those pox style cards and then what is it there's a there's there's a creature that has the pox effect and then they write a replication dit five times, <laughs> and I had a I had a, um, a sulfur vortex on the field. So basically, he's like past turn, and everyone just died to the vortex. <laughs> oh my god! Because <laughs> I was the last one in the line. And it was just it was a great way to end the game. It had, that game had to end so bad. It was the worst. That sounds terrible. <laughs> terrible games. Oh. Oh my god. <clears throat> What? So, if if you had to ban a card in Commander, just any card, what would it be? Oh. What? Like a card that you cannot stand playing against. I mean, you can, I, you can I, even I choose think... Island. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not that bitter. Um, <laughs> uh, pro, I Sensei's Divining Top, possibly. You think because um, it slows games down too much? Parsh, that's partially it. I, I know a lot of people hate on Cyclonic Rift, but it's like when you see a control player with whatever the overload cost is up, you just don't overextend into it. That's like any yeah. Wrath spell. Like the the hardest part being it's an instant speed. That's the hard part. So you know that's that's. But you know, route did the same thing too, and that nobody's hating on route because you can play it for some not far off. Oh, let's look that up. Route. 
And then, so what? You got you end up spend, spending seven to flash it out, make it take it from sorcery to instant, and all d- destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. So it's you know standard wrath of god at instant speed versus cyclonic rift. And... I mean cyclonic rift. That's that's just not creatures. It's everything that's non land. Yeah, that's that's pretty devastating. It to can have be. Your whole, to have your whole field just bounce back to your hand, especially it, on your turn after you've decided, hey, I'm going to combat trick yeah. and tap. I've lived that life. I've, I've tapped oh, out yeah, and gone so on the swing, I. and my whole army just went bloop, and I was hosed. But it's uh, the overload. Yeah, the overload cost is the same as route. The difference being this one will will bounce all of your non-lang things back, and that's why people hate it. And it just means you play around it. Like, as far this is the best, probably the best wrath spell you can hope for in Commander. And it's just something you got to work around and know that it's a threat if you're playing against anybody in blue who has access to $15, $16, (laughs) basically. Um, much. But even then, even having even having experienced it, I still wouldn't I still wouldn't ban Cyclonic Rift. I just don't think it's I don't think that's yeah. warranted. I think there are I can I'm sure there are more oppressive commanders out there. I think if the competitive scene sees something like Turn One Protean Hulk just tearing it up and then it becomes a problem, then maybe Protean Hulk goes back on the list. I mean that's um, why they banned Leovold, because Leovold was pretty oppressive as well too. Yeah, I think I think if anything gets banned, it's going to be either a card that is so dramatically devastating to the to the game state, or it's a commander that is like Leovold, devastating to the command state. Something where they are always getting it back, and it is always just wrecking face. Um, yeah. And I like I'm trying to think of a I'm trying to think of a commander that just kind of gets under my skin. Um, Animar could be a little broken. Yeah, especially he can be broken pretty quickly too. Yeah, uh, Animar very can, fast. I think that would be if anything could be faster than Animar, that would be looking or could like yeah, lockdown like Leovold or faster than Animar as far as breaking something open. Um, that's where it would be. But you know, when it comes to EDH, this is such a casual format overall. That's probably why you don't see a lot of these bands coming down because it, that's what part of what the article was talking about. They're not talking about trying to like hose a certain deck. People have different play styles, and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily their play style as the rules committee. So I think it's a I think it's just a question of the relationship you have with the people you're playing with, yeah. and. And I don't, I honest to God, don't know an EDH player right now who has just one deck. Like, we are a bunch of brewing junkies. Oh, we, no, I've got, I don't know how many you have. I've got right now six or seven right now. I have the 2018 and the 2013 pre-cons in their original form. And oh, I, I, I take them all apart. I've bought every single pre-con that's been out, but I just always take them apart, though. Yeah, I started. I've started resorting to keeping them together because I like the idea of just having like a stock version of it. Yeah. Um, but on top of the precons, I definitely have uh, eight to ten, whatever, kicking around. I, I definitely have a couple dozen just in decks somewhere. So yeah, I I have plenty of decks. I know everybody 
at my store, like ha- most of us have that Stanley toolbox, and the rest of them have. Like, <laughs> full I've been seeing them of, everywhere. They're all over the place. It's ridiculous. And like that picture I tweeted out when Brian retweeted that, yeah. that thing got twenty four thousand views in twenty four hours. It was wow. insane. Like people eat that up, and and the you know Brian's got that reach, so he gets even just a nobody like me. He retweets that. People see that social media and there's just so many people are, that that box that toolbox is just amazing it's such a Dude, cool I know. toolbox it really is i mean it, it's tempted me to want to get one but eh, i don't know hey you know what if someone like ultra pro made that thing it'd be 50 bucks you can get it should you can get it for under 20 at home depot yeah no for sure no, the last commander I built was Psy Master Thopterus, and he's been a lot of fun and just how quickly I can poop out Thopter tokens. Yeah, that's another route that maybe I could go is just make an artifact deck around him. That's just I've heard, there's some some what's the combo? What's the way you break Psy? Oh, I don't know. There there's a way to break Psy. Probably. Uh, I haven't really broken him, but the thing that I did with him was, or at least that I did the last time I played him, was I just got Psy out, then Efficient Construction, and then Skull Clamp, and just cast a bunch of cheap artifacts, poop out more Thopters, draw my deck, and find my Wincon. I'm gonna drop the screen sharing here for a bit. Alright, All right, so yeah, I... I... I'm still as far like EDH is something that I I have been very casual with in the last year, and I build mm-hmm. decks and I play casual. And now, now that I'm looking at examining it more through articles and and it's it's like this tournament that's coming up is kind of turning into this this venture into what competitive might look like and digging in more to the res- doing more research and digging into resources like Reddit and other place, <laughs> other places i i there's the subreddit for competitive commander or something i got to look at and see what they're talking about and then there's oh my god there was a there's an actual youtube video it's the lab maniacs is it lab maniacs i think it's called yeah, laboratory yeah, maniacs I th- yeah i think so i think you're right so i got to check that out and see what they're talking about like there's no way i i thought maybe i was going to like buy into something that could compete and um, nope, I don't think that's happening to, for this November tournament. Maybe next year. Yeah, yeah. See, I've been really on the fence with something here because um, I also enjoy playing modern. I don't. Know, do you play modern at all? I used to. I built a Naya Burn, and then my schedule didn't work for playing modern anymore, so I yeah. don't play modern. And yeah, so modern is in a really big mess right now or it's been a mess of a format where you know one archetype will take the the reins for a few weeks then another one will knock it out its place so to really remain competitive and modern you have to be able to make sure you have a lot of money or a very deep card pool of cards so Mm. i really want to build blue white control for modern um but i'm gonna end up having to spend a lot of money on it and the money isn't so much the issue it's more of a well as soon as i get this deck built it's probably not even it's probably going to remain you know not tier one anymore so <laughs> well you just wait until it comes back around i don't know me i don't know 
it's just so much money that I'm thinking, well, I could spend this money on a, probably a blue-white control EDH deck as well. You could spend it on three or four. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like the price of a the price of a a modern a competitive modern deck is nuts. Dude, it's getting so expensive now. It's like I'm looking at blue-white control. Like here, I'll even go on uh, MTG Goldfish right now, and blue-white control is averaging about oh only you know thirteen hundred dollars you know that's like just thirteen hundred just and you know half of that's tied up in the lands actually not really oh no? um it's more of the jace the mind sculptors and the snapcasters is what oh, it's God. tied up more than anything i mean it runs four celestial colonnades which is 224 for a play set but oh my you, god yeah but then you look at three Jace Mind Sculptors, that's 270, and four Snapcasters is 280. So it's like, oh, okay. How the... Fuck you, that's why. I mean... <laughs> this, is, this is madness. Yeah. So I've been really going back and forth whether or not I want to do it, and then I just keep going back to, well, maybe I'll just do blue-white control and um, EDH. And only have to buy like one Jace the Mind Sculptor, you know. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the same sample deck. That's oh god, that's madness. Yeah, because I really want to build another modern deck. Um, the only other one I could think of that I could even do would be that isn't too expensive. Would be Dredge right now. Dredge is pretty damn cheap at three fifty, which. I mean, that's still relatively expensive, but when you compare that to blue-white control, that is infinitely cheaper. And I've got majority of the cards in Dredge, so I and, don't know. Oh, Humans is going for 1400 Fuck that. What's Jund? Jund is 1700 Oh my god. Yeah, it's this is getting to legacy prices now. But legacy, I haven't even looked at what legacy costs are lately. Oh my god, oh, I'm looking let's at Let's go down that rat hole. Oh what are you my, looking at? Uh, just uh, MTG Goldfish's le right. legacy metagame. Miracles, 3,000. Grixis <gasps> Control, oh, now it's 5,100. I, I will tell you because I was pricing out Grixis Delver, Grixis Control, and Legacy, what was it, two years ago? Right before the whole Dual Lands had a really, went really up. Um, yeah. I was pricing it at about Grixis Delver was about two grand at the time. And I'm like, okay, that's really expensive, right? Really, really expensive. But I had everything bought except for the dual lands, which at the time they were only like a hundred bucks a piece or, or about 150 a piece or something before they really shut up. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start saving up. And I, I was just about to buy my first dual land. And then boom, they shot up to like three, 400, 500 bucks overnight. And I'm like, okay, fuck this format. I'm not going to oh, play. <laughs> Jesus God. You yeah. missed the train. I missed it by like about one to two months. Oh, and it's so sucks. sad because. Play set of underground sea going for 20 eight hundred dollars fuck that noise it's so ridiculous it's like <sighs> it, yeah you've either you either need to have been playing the game for the last yeah. 25 years and holding on to all your stuff which there are so few people who have or you just don't care about money or yeah or you can you know you you light your cigars with hundred dollar bills that yes. you set on fire 
Yeah, so with other hundred <laughs> that you've lit on fire with other hundred dollar bills. Yeah, so it really makes me wonder. I don't know because I really want to build another modern deck, but I don't know if I really want to spend the money because the only other modern deck I could build right now would be Bant Company because um, I have all the cards for it anyway, but it's not very good um, in terms of the meta right now. It's because right now the meta is basically, oh, you're playing Interaction. I don't like you. I'm just going to win by comboing off or playing Tron, you know, turn two card and not have you ever play anything ever again. It's pretty much what the meta's meta is. So, mm. although Legacy burns in at a hundred under a hundred dollars, yeah, let Mon me just mono red. That's easy. All you need are mountains. <laughs> no, but I need the snow covered mountains. Well, oh shucks, darn! That means it's gonna cost you one fifty. No right. God, oh, it's so ridiculous. Good old legacy mono red burn. That's some good stuff. I I'm oh I've always been a fan of burn kind of styles of play. Oh my god, and, I'm looking up my legacy elves deck because I have I have legacy elves. I have it built. I've got the guy's cradle. I got I got the guy's cradle before they shot up in price. I'm looking at legacy elves now, and that's a thirty two hundred dollar deck now. Holy fuck, that is insane. Wait, where's the legacy? What's what? The it's what? it's one of the last decks on the metagame part. Oh, this it's not cooperating. Shit. Good thing I haven't sold off anything in Legacy Elves, so I could sleeve it up again if I really wanted to play. But still, that's freaking ridiculous, man. Oh, elves! It's, yeah, I was looking for mono green, but it's got all five colors because it plays Progenitus. <laughs> yeah, that okay. is actually a really good card in elves, surprisingly. It's um, it's always fun to play that in games two and three, and then your opponent's like, um, I can't do anything, essentially. Uh, right, because you can fix everything out. And what is it? Yeah. It plays a mind break trap. That is some of that is one of the funniest cards to play against. Um, I once played that against an infect player because they went in for the kill like on turn two, and I had that in hand, and he cast like every single spell off that he could think of and I'm like um mind break trap you do oh. you do one you do one infect damage to me and on my turn back I freaking basically combo off and kill and so that was oh, one of the best so rude hey motherfucker was trying to freaking kill me That's turn 2 hilarious oh and my I, and God. I've done it against storm too I basically you basically just wait for the storm player to go off and then when they cast their gut shot or what, whatever it is to a yeah. million times you're like um mind break trap <laughs> exile everything that chill fill the room <laughs> oh it's always the best oh um, wow elves that's yeah wow so so one of my first legacy tournaments i went to um, I was in the middle of building Legacy Elves, so I brought Mono Green Stompy. It was 10 forests and 4 land grant. And um, do you know what land grant does? Uh, refresh, remind me. Um, it's a 1 and a green um, sorcery. You can, But you can also not pay its mana cost by revealing your hand and then search for a forest card and put it onto okay. the battlefield. So, right. so that's how I got away with only playing 10 forests. And it was just a bunch of mono green stompy creatures. So the only match I won against was against uh, Manalus Dredge. And 
So he beat me turn one or game one pretty handedly. So on games two and three, both turn ones, I either played Graft Digger's Cage, where he couldn't bring anything back from his graveyard, or Druid Mil- Militant. Um, or Militant Druid. Uh, or Dryad. No, Militant Dryad. Um, militant Dryad. I think that. No, no, Dryad Militant. I'm sorry. So Dryad Militant is if an instant or sorcery be put into a graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So Manalus Dredge, he's putting all his stuff in the graveyard. I play that turn one. Oh, it's all exiled now because he can't cast anything. <laughs> womp, womp. So that's the only way I won and just it was pretty funny. Um, oh, God, Militant Dryad. That's from Turn Ravica, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's so it was mean. very it was very mean. But hey, I was playing against someone like, oh, I'm able to get blood gas and Nacromibas out turn one, like five oh, of them. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fair. You know, the last <laughs> the last legacy tournament I played it was in 1997. So there's that. That is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Legitimately, yeah, I played a legacy tournament in '97 that I got to second place in with a. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, a de- my goal was a deck with no sideboard I played red green and the yeah. meta was loose so loose and there was basically this is back I, I, my, this is my favorite story was how I won through mana burn by burning myself with um, with a Thran turbine that okay. gives you two, two free mana on your upkeep and you can only use it for activated abilities and stuff like oh, that oh shit so I was in this weird lock. The deck. Was, oh my god! Was I remember that card. It was kind of like this red green control ish deck, like City of Solitude and Aluren. Solitude to keep people from doing things on my turn. That was my anti counterspell card. And then I would do like a standard burn package of lightning bolts, and I had treetop villages and and um, Mitra's factories, so I could turn them into creatures on my turn. They couldn't do anything to them, and I could swing, and then they disappear. It was a vanishing army. So Vyashino, uh Sandstalkers were in there, and there's this one oh game God. where it, this one game was stalled out. And I this is back when I still had my dual land, so I had Tigers, yeah. and it was like you know it was working out. And I had just a hodgepodge of like not even playsets and stuff. So there's oh God, it's I think it's called Keeper of the Flame. Okay, is from Exodus. It's two red for a. Um, for you, for a creature, a one-two creature where, a, yeah, it's a one-two. You pay a red. You can do two damage to target opponent if they have more life than you. So we were in this weird lock, <laughs> and they couldn't attack me without dying to whatever I was going to do. I couldn't attack them without putting, you know, throwing myself under the bus. So I start burning myself with mana burn off oh of my the Thran God. turbine. That's awesome. And I'm like, and I just like I'm just ticking the clock down and just hitting him for two every time because like I used this I was like I got him down and I couldn't use the firekeeper anymore or the keeper of the flame anymore and I was like what do I do and I was like there's a Thran turbine there I'll just burn myself so I got there I can't remember how I think I'd like hit him with a lightning bolt afterwards and it's oh just my like god that's amazing one of those I like one of those those one of those moments where you like you next level yourself and use something that's usually a detriment to your advantage and I, that was that was one of my favorite times in magic is to play that game and like 
I got to I didn't I didn't, couldn't believe I was winning. Like I was so used to losing at that point in, yeah. when I was playing the game. Like my hands were shaking. I couldn't like keep oh, my shit together. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. You're just like, "Oh my god, it's actually happening." <laughs> Is it happening? It's happening. <laughs> so like I get to the end and uh, the person I played against was act- actually a competitive player. So he had this like mono black land destruction deck just all the good stuff from yeah the first set so he just tore me up i couldn't do anything to that i i didn't have a sideboard i didn't have the creeping algae or whatever it was to (laughs) at least you actually had a place to play back then because i didn't when i i got into magic during urza saga we didn't even have a store to play in or anything it was just me and my friends we would buy booster packs and play whatever we got essentially out of the booster packs so no that kind of reminds me of a story of this was during theros con standard um i was playing blue black dragon control and i remember i won a match by bluffing my opponent where i had nothing but islands in my hand and i because i managed to make him think because throughout the entire game this was game three like and um Throughout the entire game, I would either spot removal or counter everything he did. And he eventually got to the point where he got scared to play something. So we would just go back and forth, back and forth. And it got to a point where he was getting so frustrated by me countering and killing everything that I, I all I had were like three islands in my hand. And he just quits and scoops. He's like, I can't do it. I went, so I show him my hand. It's just three islands. He's like, fuck, no, I could have won. Because he's like, I could have siege rhinoed into you or something. And I'm like, I'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta play it out you gotta you gotta bait the cards man that's oh, what man. happens like i get it like you get kind of like you get stuck in your own head and then you think oh god he's just gonna do this and get you gotta yep. play it out like yep. you gotta ask yourself well do they have the counter spell what are the odds that they do if am i dead on board if i don't yeah well you gotta play it you gotta yep. try it. i tried to combo especially against a control deck when you're doing yeah. that because you don't know what they have and um no, but that, that was one of my best wins that I've ever had was just psyching them out so bad where they, they got scared to play anything. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. That's, that, being too, that's like being too, it's getting too stuck on needing the win kind of sensation. Yeah, you yeah. gotta you got to kind of stick with it. Yeah, man. Don't scoop to a control player ever. Sometimes, I mean... It really well, depends I mean, on the board. Like, if they have a Teferi that's about to ultimate off, then, yeah, sometimes you have to scoop. Where you're true. Just like, okay. Yeah. Don't scoop unless it's a sure scoop. Like, yeah. Yeah. Make sure make sure you know you're dead on board. Don't just yeah, assume Yeah, for sure. It. And that's, um, that's something that you just got to learn as you keep playing because yeah. especially I- – I'll do that a lot. Like, I'll, I'll scoop what some people will think is early, but then I have to explain to them, like, well, no – if you do this or that, you'll kill me, and, and I don't have anything in my hand anyway to even do anything. So it's like, let's just get to game two and three, you know? Yeah, sometimes you don't want to go to time because yeah. that sucks. Yeah, especially when you're playing against someone who's slow, and you know they're slow. And, and they're playing eggs. Oh, my God. <laughs> They'll even be playing a fast deck like Boggles and still go slow, and you're like, oh, my <sighs> God. Oh, There's, There is no rope. Dude, there's been some people I've played against, they're literally playing mono red aggro, and it's like turn one or two, and they're like thinking about, huh, what do I do? You fucking swing and attack! What do you think you're doing with <laughs> this aggro? This is smash face strategy. <laughs> this is pretty, 
You just you, you turn things sideways. Which is funny oh. because there have been times where I'll I'll be playing an aggro deck up against another aggro deck, and it'll take me lo- and it'll actually sometimes go to time because you know you can't swing all out against aggro because they could just come back and kill you on the swing in. So yeah, that's a dirty pendulum. Yeah, some sometimes playing against aggro versus aggro can be harder than control versus control. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I had a matchup I, when I was playing modern. I had a I was playing Naya Burn and I, I ended up against a Jund Aggro, and it was yeah. like got there was like that critical point in the game was like well let's I had to like do the math and figure out do I point it at the field or I point it at their face, and I had to manage the field like I went ahead and um, pithing needled their scavenging oozes so those stopped getting Ew, big gross. and I just had to slowly I had to get down it was an attrition game I like we had I had to get them to top deck. Mm-hmm. So that's where it had to come down and like get my hand empty so their Liliana the Veil was useless and just top deck and get back to a point where I could regain my footing. But it's tough. Like that's why I like stuff like Burn. Like you've got to play a numbers game with Burn. Yeah. There's no there's no room for error there. It's like a this razor thin type. You have of, to play it perfectly. Yeah, and it forces you to be on point. You got to stay like you're not sitting back with control magic to be like, nope, you can't play that. That's that's someone who doesn't. It feels like somebody who doesn't want to play magic. When you play burn, hey, I like control. Yeah, you like (laughs) control. You're welcome to like it. I'm just saying, like, I like that raw feeling of like burn. Like that's a bad thing to put on the internet. (laughs) But it's the numbers game behind burn forces you to like work at it harder i think you yeah really it, just... it does the, the thing that i like about control more is you have to really be good at threat assessment in terms of do i counter this creature or do i counter this spell versus okay i know he's got another spell that's even worse do i counter that instead and but can i take the damage this time or do i get rid of it now that that's what i really like is especially when you know the metagame of whatever format you're playing you you get even better at that threat assessment where okay yeah you can play that goblin chain whirler right now i don't care i'll, I'll kill it you know two turns from now but oh i'm not gonna let you play that rekindling phoenix get out of here yeah i i see and that's ne- i never got to know metagames well enough to play that kind of level yeah. so when it comes to figuring out a metagame or just kind of dipping your toe in the water burns the best way to go like your game it, plan it is, is straight is burn really or mono red or yeah, mono red, burn or mono red it, they're straightforward it's it's just you know what you're doing they know what you're doing so the games go quickly and if they don't if they draw badly or you they're not paying you know like not respecting what's happening in front of them mm-hmm. it can take you know burn can punish you for not having it together oh yeah so you know that you can get the wins you just may not win the tournament have you ever played eight whack in modern no but i think i built it that and that's that like, that's a fun deck to play actually in terms of like a quick aggro deck yeah eight whack feels like what i was playing back in uh, like 2012 standard with um what was it called off the rebirth yeah, the rebirth deck, and I, that was when I was I, 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 I added that I added that um because when I built my version of eight whack because I added Kodaltha rebirth to it with um signal pest um uh-huh. like I would do what Kodaltha rebirth what just one red right it's one red sack an artifact get three goblins yeah so I would do so my version of eight whack had ornithopters and memnites in it so play mm-hmm. turn one mountain play a memnite okay tap it play Kodaltha rebirth get three goblins then turn two um 
probably play like a Legion Loyalist or something like that, or in a signal pass, swing all in, then turn three, get um, you know, one of the bushwhackers out and kill mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, that that's that that gets really out of control fast, and then you're throwing your goblin grenades in there, and it's like, <laughs> yes, I love it, I love it. I just, oh, man. I really wish they goblin grenades would make goblins so good and pauper if they just would just make it a common online you think like it would they... break goblins and popper because um, goblins can be really fast and popper no i don't i don't think it would break goblins and popper because uh, like i had for a, a brief period of time we had players doing we were kind of chasing that popper dream at the local game store yeah. and and i had goblins and it was fast but it's manageable like you yeah. can you can stall it out if you get in the if you get enough blockers up. There's other token decks out there that can get in the way. Yeah, or if, like you run that green black kind of dredgy deck where they're um, dredging the life gainer. Where as soon as it comes up against life gain, you start running out of because the goblins will run out of steam. Like they once you get the top decking, you haven't if you haven't killed your opponent by turn four, you're probably gonna lose because yeah. as soon as goblins top decks, it's it's kind of game over. Same thing yeah, with any true. burn deck, unless you've got the draw machines in there, which aren't often for red. Um, you gotta get, you're gonna just kind of peter out. Yeah. Well, I think we need to end it here, man. Um, it's getting okay. a little late for me, and it's getting late for you too. Yeah. Um, so before we go, where can people find you online? Like where they can find your content and all that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Slivers, and you can find me on Cardsphere. I think it's um, I should go and find that. Yeah, uh, it, it's not. It's, it's at their blog. It's like Cardsphere. Gotta find yeah, this. Yeah, blog dot Cardsphere dot com. Yeah, blog dot Cardsphere dot com. Um, I'm doing the column, the call, the EDH column, and uh, yeah. So you can find me at cardsphere.com. You can find me on Twitter. And those are my two primary locations for social media. Um, and you can find me on – I think I'm, I'll get it linked up through my through my Twitter account. You can also find me on YouTube with the Ooh. two videos I have. Well, I should sign in. Yeah, if you send me the links and all that, I can be sure to throw them in the show notes. Yeah, we'll get the links there. So uh, I'm Johnny Slivers on YouTube as well, and I'm starting to do kind of this random installment of what I call Cackling Carnarium, where I'll just talk magic about whatever. And And you do it in the middle of the day when I can't watch. I do it in the middle of the day. I do it whenever. I've got to do it when I find the time or it will never happen. So that's that's how cackling is going to work. It'll be for my international friends in the U.K. and and. (laughs) <laughs> Australia sure why not so yeah so there it is oh well awesome man well I just want to thank you for coming on I really appreciate it and had a great time um, thanks for having me yeah man good chat yeah Glad for to sure hear about the, the wilds of Florida oh yes <laughs> yes you have no idea <laughs> alright no. man well have a great night okay alright good night <laughs>